Since we have a high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is bound to offer sacrifice for his own sins, as well as for those of the people. And one does not take the honor upon himself, but he is called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, Thou art my son and my God, today I have begotten thee. As he says also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Peace be to you, the reader. According to Mark, let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. The Lord said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake, and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. 
Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. This is a lot to ask of a person, is it not? It's a lot to ask. Or is it? So, brothers and sisters, let's set ourselves up with some context of this verse within the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is considered by many scholars one more easily, more easily grasped, a little simpler to, uh, to perhaps receive and process. Oftentimes it is recommended as the first book of the, uh, of the New Testament for people to read if they are more recently exploring the scriptures. Nevertheless, this gospel is packed with things much like all the other gospels, Matthew and Luke, and of course, John. Mark and Matthew carry quite a few similarities as they do, the two of them do with Luke as well. But particularly for the passage that we read today, there are some direct parallels in the Gospel according to Matthew. Chapters 16 and 17, if I remember correctly. But in the eighth chapter of the Gospel according to Mark, we observe two miracles of Jesus. The first one is Peter's confession that he believes Jesus is the Messiah. This is quite beautiful. It is new. It is a realization that we might actually take for granted 2,000 years later. The second little miracle is Jesus' sort of uh, first prediction of his own death and resurrection. This is the first time that we see in the Gospel of Mark that we're heading towards some troublesome times. Further, as we keep reading in the Gospel of Mark, chapters 9 and 10, we see record of three different occasions when the Savior teaches his disciples about that impending, that oncoming suffering, death, and resurrection. And after each of these little occasions, the Lord Jesus Christ clarifies the vision that he has for the disciples by teaching them more about their own role. 
Now that we got a little better context, let's return to that verse that I began with. First, we see that the Lord Jesus gives us the option to follow him or not. Second, he tells us that if we truly decide to follow him, and we indeed want to walk in his footsteps, we must crush our own ego, our own human and broken will, and endure the challenges of the life we face in order to be walking with him. So then that question of mine once again, this seems like a lot to ask. Brothers and sisters, after this uh, daunting statement, Jesus actually poses some probing questions. And it's important for us to actually reach for those questions and try to, uh, try to answer them for ourselves. The questions really have to do with the process of discernment as to what is profitable, what is worthwhile for us to pursue in order to gain eternal life with him. The first such question is, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? The second one is, for what can a man give in return for his life? Each one is very difficult to answer, at least for me. And each one has aspects that are simply difficult to face alone, even if I choose not to answer them, even if I were to choose not to follow Jesus Christ in his footsteps and seek to be a Christian, those are difficult questions to answer. The second one strikes me more heavily than the first. What can a man give in return for his life? Try to think of that outside of the context of Jesus Christ, outside of the church. What would you give? How much would you sacrifice to have life and to have life that is fulfilling? And immediately I am rushing to, to ask my own questions. Why? Why would Jesus even ask these probing questions. And if he's asking them, why would I bother to ask them of myself? Why would I bother to answer them so that I would know an answer to those questions? Quite simply, because every time I make a certain decision in life, I must evaluate not only what I might gain by making the respective decision, but also what I might lose. 
what I might lose if I make it, or what I might lose if I do not make the respective decision. So let's evaluate, brothers and sisters, what we might lose if we choose to walk away and apart from Jesus Christ. Another verse from today's Gospel reading is the answer. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. In trying to break this down, I'm going to bring it to the experience of a family. Every child, at least at one point in his youth, seeks to be in keeping with his parents' guidance and advice. No child grows up proclaiming, I want my parents to be ashamed of me. No. Every child, no matter how many mistakes, no matter how wayward the decision-making process of his youth, every child wants his parents to be proud of him. And as we transfer it back into our relationship with the Father who is in heaven, with the Son who was born in the world, with the Holy Spirit who floats where He wills, and especially in us and with us, we seek even without trying, sometimes unintentionally, we seek to be in relationship that would give pride to God of us. But why would we want this relationship, especially considering that pride is not the goal, of course, Pride can be a difficult passion, right? The reason we seek the approval of the Father in heaven is because we seek eternity. And we seek an eternity that fulfills us. We seek an eternity of joy. We seek an eternity that we observe to already sanctify us here. That eternity that the Lord God is in, that presence that knows no past, no present, no future of His, 
we strive to enter into that knowing that any other type of eternity would be anguish. So if that's what we're afraid of losing, brothers and sisters, what then do we stand to gain? The last verse of the Gospel reading gives us that answer. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. The joy of the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, is offered to us in this world already. Yes, we are given a foretaste of that eternity with the Lord before we physically die, before we are returned to the earth. Yes, indeed. And we, by aligning our own will, having crushed the ego, by aligning our own will with God's in every decision that we make in life, we keep building that eternity that the Lord God offers us. In a more practical sense, with every decision of life, we make ourselves a certain kind of person. Somehow, we have removed the reality that our own decisions actually build us. We have somehow, in modern day experience, embraced this concept that I am someone at the core, but, you know, I am that irrespective of the decisions I make. We call them principles, but we confuse them. We call them philosophies of life, but once again, we confuse them. I spoke on Friday night at the salutations about how philosophers are proved to be fools in this world, right? Brothers and sisters, irrespective of principles, which are good, irrespective of philosophies of life, which can be healthy, Indeed, we shape ourselves by the choices that we make. The kind of person I am, my character, is built up by my decisions. And in fact, it determines, to a large extent, the kind of future that I face and that I live. It is possible, brothers and sisters, it is possible then, as we have seen in the lives of the Holy Fathers and Mothers of the Church, that we can gain the experience of the eternity that God is offering us here and now, even if it's only glimpses, even if we lose it from time to time, So then, after this exposition, you might ask, 
What is then the most important decision that I can make for my life? <laughs> so having said all of this, let's examine just briefly and quickly what it means to pick up my cross. What does that statement mean for me today? What does it mean for you today, here in Minneapolis in 2023? I can expand on it greatly, but you can also. I thought I'd take just five little aspects of our daily life, our faith. What faith do we offer? Do we offer a worshipful, thoughtful, charitable, intentional, and true faith? Do we embrace that? But it can be something actually more banal, more simple. Here's one of the curses that we seem to struggle with in 2023 a lot, our physical shape, right? We all talk about working out, about being in shape. Hardly any of us actually really do it. Do we pursue that? Do we consider that aspect of being strong and being healthy physically, of exercising? Do we implement it with the decision to live forever? How about eating? How about eating? Is it measured, balanced, thoughtful, and yes, even limited in order to keep ourselves in control? While I seem to do okay with that physical shape aspect, I struggle with the physical shape pursuit precisely because my eating tends to be quite gluttonous. How about work? Am I a workaholic? Possibly. But are we pursuing work that is challenging, that is responsible, that is balanced once again, and that, it, that inspires me and others? And lastly, though there are, though there are many other aspects of life. But lastly, I chose to speak about relationships. Are we reaching, and reaching for and building the kingdom of heaven, the eternity that we seek already now in relationships? Are we sacrificial in our relationships with others? Are we merciful and compassionate are we accountable? All of those words, brothers and sisters, are thoughts we must offer to ourselves as we pursue decisions great and minor. This is the cross. This is the cross we're invited to pick up this year, 2023 in Minneapolis. All the challenges of our lives, 
are really just bits and pieces of the cross that we face, no matter how large and no matter how fearful our own cross is. It is actually never too heavy for any of us to carry. No, it is not, because we never carry it alone. If we answer that option that Christ has given us at the beginning of the gospel reading today, if you choose to follow me, if anyone wishes to follow me, if we answer yes, we never carry our cross alone. And if we walk with Christ God, he always partners with us to carry this daunting cross of life. Amen.